0: Good morning, my name is Mallory Ruark, I'm a part of the preaching team here at the table, Um, I'm also on staff and doing my supervised ministry here, which means I'm around, Uh, either doing stuff or showing up anyways, because I have FOMO, I have the privilege this morning of proclaiming good news to you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, It's Transfiguration Sunday, folks. (laughs) Woo! Buckle up. (laughs) As Father Matt said earlier, today is the last Sunday of Epiphany, and it culminates in a grand epiphany, Jesus' transfiguration. The writer of Matthew's Gospel has been building out what discipleship and righteousness look like, and the recount of the transfiguration reveals Jesus' embodiment of this righteousness. Now the event itself is obviously supernatural. Jesus seems to morph into something beyond our typical realities. And while that's true, this isn't a Power Ranger morph to save the day moment. It's so much better than that. (laughs) The writer of Matthew uses metaphor and imagery through the text in connection with the events of the Hebrew Bible a.k.a. the Old Testament, to reveal that God's righteousness, his justice and mercy for humanity has always been a part of the story. And it continues with Jesus' incarnate glory. Church, today we proclaim the good news that the realm of God is here. Instead of new revelation, Jesus reveals what's always been true. God is committed to justice and love for all of creation. Take heart, beloved. Do not be afraid. The glory of God rests on you today, anointing you to live out the law of love in reality. Go and love your neighbor, go and seek justice. I want to note real quick that our passage this morning helps us to understand the faults of supersessionism and replacement theology. Supersessionism teaches that Jesus supersedes all of what happened in the Hebrew Bible. Replacement theology follows suit, citing that Jesus upgraded us and now all the important stuff is in the New Testament. And friends, that's just not true. Without Judaism, our faith has little context. While our understanding of who Jesus is differs from the Jewish perspective, we have so much to learn from our Jewish friends. So why not start right now? (laughs) Jesus' transfiguration is living into Jewish apocalyptic expectation. Many of the Pharisees believed in resurrected bodies for the coming Messianic age. The faithful would receive a new form in the resurrection where all justice and mercy and righteousness prevailed. All things would be renewed and restored. All things would be made right. This is Torah. This gospel passage is utilizing this understanding and connects it to the story through the parallels between Moses and Jesus. Matthew's Gospel notes, six days after Jesus reveals he must return to Jerusalem, he takes Peter, James, and John up to the high mountain. This is a direct correlation to Exodus 24, 16, where God's presence rests on Mount Sinai for six days, and when God calls Moses out on the seventh to take the commandments to the people. God gives the Israelites instructions on how to live a life of love and justice. This connection is intentional. The gospel writer is trying to reveal and connect Jesus as a Moses figure. This would sound off all the alarms to the Jewish ear. The story continues. He was transfigured in front of them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. It's another call back to Moses in Exodus 34. Remember, Moses went up to receive the tablets twice. That's the Ten Commandments. And Exodus 34 is round two. Moses talks with God and receives the law. And when he comes down, his face is radiant with the glory of God. In Hebrew, this is Zifha Ha Shekinah. Southern emphasis, my own. <laughs> the writer of Matthew articulates for us the reflection of God. The Shekinah on Moses' face is now radiating from the face of Jesus. The text says his clothes became dazzling white. In rabbinic and apocryphal literature, these clothes reflect the majesty of God, those elected by God. Not only does Jesus' face shine like the sun, but it engulfs his entire body. He isn't just reflecting the glory of God, he is the glory of God. Jesus' transfiguration doesn't wipe out the stories of the Hebrew Bible. Jesus is not replacing what God has done for the people. Jesus shares, continues, and fulfills the very promises that have always been. Jesus embodied righteousness. God incarnate reveals this work through the past, in the present, and for our future. God's justice and mercy have always been a part of the story. We see this justice and mercy correlated in our Leviticus text. The law, the Torah, is a call to love and justice and righteousness. The parallels between Moses and Jesus reveal this continued message. The Torah, our Leviticus passage, gives us the vision for what love and justice look like. Leviticus proclaims, take care of the refugee. Take care of those who are differently abled. Take care of the poor. Do not render justice unjust. And our gospel text confirms, look, justice is here. Right now, active in the world. What you've been waiting for, longing for, it's here. The realm of God is here. Instead of new revelation, Jesus reveals what's always been true. God is committed to justice and love for all of creation. Amen. Jesus is not only revealing the inauguration of the realm of God, he's inviting us to join. The disciples joining him on the mountain isn't just so someone will have been there to write the event down, though that's super helpful. When Moses receives the law, he's the only one on the mountain. It's important to recognize where the parallels of the story differ. They have something to tell us. Peter, James, and John being there is important. And I find Peter's engagement in this story so precious. If it's good for us to be here, I'll pitch three-tenths. Peter knows what's happening. Peter's realizing the connections. These disciples are experiencing the stories that their ancestors would have passed down to them. Peter knows how the Shekinah of God has dwelled among the people in the past. It's in the tabernacle. We need tabernacles. As Peter is working to get everything in order for God's presence, the Shekinah of God overshadows them and rests on them. It's as if to say, my presence needs no tents. I need no tabernacle. Here with you is where I dwell. Here, resting on you, surrounding you, carrying you, keeping you, anointing you is where I stay. The glory of God anoints them to be the light of the world and tells them, get up, do not be afraid. Church here today with you, is where God dwells, anointing you to be the light of the world. God's glory resting upon you doesn't mean you're going to float above life or above reality. We all know this. We know what's going to happen in the story next for Jesus. He knows this. God's glory is what empowers us to stay present in reality, to face reality If you've spoken with me over the last few weeks, you'll know I'm currently apprehensive uh, about my summer internship. I'm excited to learn and be pushed beyond myself, but I'm anxious. Clinical pastoral education, CPE, is a chaplaincy internship. I'll be spending my summer at either Methodist University or Riley facing firsthand what injustice looks like. Pain, sickness, terror. How do I face this? How do I look injustice in the face day in and day out? Take heart, Mallory. Do not be afraid. The realm of God is here. God's righteousness, God's glory rests on you today. You don't have to gloss over ignore, smooth over the injustice. You can enter into that reality in faithfulness because you do not go alone. I know I'm not the only one facing injustice, facing pain, facing sickness, tearing through a world that is both full of the glory of God and the terror of death and destruction. Take heart, beloved. Do not be afraid. The glory of God covers you. Take heart, beloved, do not be afraid. All those who so weeping will go out with songs of joy. Take heart, beloved, do not be afraid. Our systems of oppression will soon be vanquished. Take heart, beloved, do not be afraid. These broken bodies will not be forever. Take heart, beloved, do not be afraid. Death and dying do not have the final word. Because of what was revealed on the mountaintop, because the promises for justice and mercy are true, you can walk in confidence that you can be present to your circumstances without being overcome. Friends, what realities are you facing today? As they were coming down the mountain... Jesus instructed them, saying, tell no one about the vision until the son of woman from the dead has been raised. Okay, Jesus. Uh, I I feel like if this was like a modern-day parable, like the the lens like automatically goes to Peter and he's just like, ooh, um, I live-tweeted the whole thing. I'm so sorry. (laughs) see something like this you say something about it this instruction seems absurd and all this instruction is full of layers of interpretation in tandem with our good news I think it's Jesus reminding the disciples that the road ahead is going to be so difficult but they don't need some emotionalism some mountaintop experience to get them through it All they need to know is that the realm of God is here. God dwells among the people. God's justice and love are working. They do not go alone. Friends, the glory of God doesn't rest upon you so you can dissociate from reality. We aren't renewing our minds to some false narrative of coping. The glory of God rests on you so you can bear your realities, so that in the face of injustice, you can tell the truth, so you can seek mercy, so you can march, so you can show up. No need to scramble for tents to hide in the presence of God. It is everywhere. Today, live out the law of love and reality, loving your neighbor, seeking justice. Cornel West writes, justice is what love looks like in public. So friends, love boldly. Love against the odds. Love against the circumstances. Seek justice when the horizon is bleak. Seek justice when all seems lost. Seek justice when your world is falling apart. This week, where do you see the need for love? The need for justice Take heart, beloved. Do not be afraid. Live out the law of love in reality today. The Shekinah of God rests on you. You do not go alone. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.